Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious. How about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Happy Friday, everyone. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the air. On your home of the Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Friday, September the 23rd of 2022. Boy, it feels like fall today, just 63 degrees in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Looks like a little rain is on the way. As we get set for, believe it or not, week five Indiana high school football action. Tonight, including on our sister station, 96-1 the ton, one of the big games in the area, 5-0 Mishawaka at 4-1 Warsaw. They're going to be playing some Bart Ball down in Warsaw. You can hear the game on 96-1 the ton at 7 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you on Sportsbeat. We have a full show tonight until 7 o'clock. Coming up on the program this evening, Notre Dame, North Carolina, final thoughts on the matchup down in Chapel Hill tomorrow, a game that will kick off at 3.30 here on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage begins at 9 a.m. with a replay of the Marcus Freeman show, which aired last night here on WSBT Radio. From 10 until noon, Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry hosting the Game Day Show brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. It is an interview-based show, and on their guest list for tomorrow, former Notre Dame National Championship player, longtime Bears kicker Bob Thomas, former Fighting Irish offensive lineman Mike Golick Jr., former Notre Dame team captain and standout punter Tyler Newsom, Notre Dame's second all-time player in sacks, linebacker Corey Miner, and current head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan, 
live from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Following that show, Tyler Hork and I will host Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra from noon until 2.30. Kickoff at 3.30 and after the game, Jim and Reggie Brooks break it all down for you on the official Notre Dame football post-game show, all in one spot here on 960 AM WSBT. Our pregame shows stream live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT radio app. Predictions galore coming up this hour. We'll play the advantage game. We'll try to predict some of the individual and team stats for tomorrow's game. We've got how the game will play out in the My 5 question of the day. We have our Twitter question of the day, which brings Las Vegas and real-life football into play. Patrick Engel covers Notre Dame football for Blue and Gold Illustrated, joins me live at 5.30. In the 6 o'clock hour, some thoughts from Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on going back on the road for the first time since Ohio State. The next step for this team, what about a vertical passing game? We'll talk about those storylines coming up. Would you believe the stats right now? Only through two games, small sample size, but Colt fans, you might want to close your ears because at 6.30, we're going to compare Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Holy Toledo. Scary stuff. And we have a sports wagering segment to get to, including a bizarre ending to the Cleveland-Pittsburgh NFL game last night, which affected over-unders, and it also affected player props. On last night's program... One of my suggestions was former Irish wide receiver Chase Claypool, who now plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had, I think, 44 receiving yards over the first two games. His receiving yards over under for Thursday night football was 39 and a half. So I went under. Well, going into that final play last night, Claypool had 41 receiving yards. So I was going to lose. I had the under. They started lateraling the football, and by lateraling the ball, Claypool lost six or seven receiving yards. I believe he lost six and ended up with 35, and it went from a losing ticket to a winning ticket because Claypool threw the ball backwards, and the team lost yardage. So Claypool was credited with minus six receiving yards on that final play that the Browns actually recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. And that made that suggestion a winning pick rather than a loser. I didn't realize it until this morning when I looked at the stats. I'm like, wait, Claypool was over. How's he at 35 now? Well, that lateral cost him the yardage. All right, 513 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's get the program going with our first pitch. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, it's the Friday before a Notre Dame game day, so we played the advantage game on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. The Fighting Irish, a one and two football team. Coming off a come-from-behind home win over California last Saturday, 24-17. North Carolina, idle last weekend. They're a 3-0 football team, having beaten Florida A&M, Appalachian State on the road, 
Georgia State on the road. The Georgia State game was two weeks ago, a 35-28 victory by the Heels. For Notre Dame football, they have won 24 straight regular season games against the ACC. Again, regular season. You have to say that because Clemson beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game during the COVID year. So 24 state straight regular season wins for Notre Dame against the ACC. During that winning streak, they've won 11 straight on the road in the ACC. Now the spread for this game is bounced around. Notre Dame is a slight underdog going to North Carolina. So in our advantage game, we've got six categories to talk about. We begin with the powerful North Carolina offense, averaging 51 points per game. They are getting their wide receiver, Josh Downs, back. He posted on social media yesterday an Arnold Schwarzenegger gif, which said, I'm back. Downs had nine catches in the season opener against Florida A&M. Has not played the last two games. He sure played against Notre Dame last year, a game the Irish won 44-34 at Notre Dame Stadium at Downs. You couldn't keep him down. Ten receptions, 143 yards for Downs, and he will suit up tomorrow against the Fighting Irish. We begin the advantage game by looking at the matchup when North Carolina runs the football. Their top running back is O'Marion Hampton. So far this year, Hampton, 38 carries for 228 yards, averaging six yards per carry and five touchdowns. If you don't mind, I'm going to throw in a but. But you break down the numbers against the best opponent North Carolina has faced, and that is Appalachian State on the road. Hampton in that game, eight carries, 17 yards, along of four yards against Florida A&M, 14 for 101. Georgia State, 16 for 110. North Carolina as a team, their run offense, 237.3 yards per game. That is tied for 13th in the FBS. They do have a quarterback that will run the football in Drake May. So far, May this year is the second leading rusher for North Carolina. 26 attempts for 146 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, a long of 42, and May has one rushing touchdown. Carolina's 13th ranked rushing offense will go up against a Notre Dame run defense that is not where they want to be. They are 95th in the country right now giving up 167.7 yards per game. Two of their three opponents aren't necessarily high-end running teams. Ohio State can run it. They're just known for C.J. Stroud throwing it. But Ohio State proved they could run it in the fourth quarter against the Irish in Columbus as they went on that 90-yard drive to seal the victory. So who gets the check mark? Who has the advantage when North Carolina runs the football. I'm going to give a slight advantage to North Carolina. Only slight because I read you Hampton's numbers against the best team they faced. Not overly impressive. In fact, lousy. Against weaker competition, really good. 
So I'm going to give a slight advantage to North Carolina. What about when North Carolina throws the football? North Carolina's pass efficiency offense, number eight in the country. The Fighting Irish, pass efficiency defense, middle of the pack in the FBS. They are 67th. Drake May, 72 of 97, throwing the football for 74.2%. The former Alabama commit, 930 yards, 11 touchdowns. Picked off just one time. And against Florida A&M, App State, Georgia State, he has been sacked six times. May's feeling very comfortable right now in that North Carolina offense. Sam Howell, they forgot about him in Chapel Hill. By the way, May has played so far this year. What am I going to get from the Irish defensive line tomorrow? Because against Ohio State, they were a little on the sleepy side. Marshall, better, should have been. California, got a lot better. We documented last week that Cal's offensive line had given up six sacks to Cal Davis and UNLV. I doubt any of us can name any of the pass rushers for Cal Davis and UNLV. I highly doubt any of them were recruited by Notre Dame. So what are we going to get from the Irish front tomorrow against North Carolina? Are they going to be able to cause havoc on Drake May? Force him into mistakes that he has not made so far this year. In the advantage game, I have to give the advantage to North Carolina with an exclamation point because they do get their all-everything wide receiver, Josh Downs, back, and we know what he can do to the Irish. As I mentioned, 10 catches for 143 against Notre Dame last year. So both North Carolina offensive categories in the advantage game, advantage North Carolina. Let's talk Notre Dame offense. The Irish run game against the Carolina defense. You want this to be the biggest mismatch in the ballgame. Honestly, before the season started, that's what I would have said. Huge advantage for Notre Dame. Well, North Carolina has taken care of their part of that thought because they continue to struggle defensively. It has been a problem for a couple of years. Entering this ballgame, North Carolina, out of 130 FBS teams, is number 111 stopping the run. Carolina allowing 193 yards per ball game. Appalachian State run for 288. Georgia State ran for 235. Not good. The only team they've stopped, Florida A&M. FCS school that was missing three offensive linemen for that game. Meanwhile, Notre Dame, we all thought the running game would click from day one. It has not. The offensive line is gradually getting better. According to Pro Football Focus, that was a really good offensive line performance by Notre Dame last Saturday against California. The Irish run game is not as efficient because their starting quarterback does not run the ball the way Tyler Buckner did. Drew Pine is not that guy. He can run, but not like Tyler Buckner. Last week, Chris Tyree 
got the football. 22 times combining rushing and receiving attempts. 17 rushes for Tyree. But are we going to see that again? It sounds like the answer is no because Logan Diggs was available last Saturday but did not play because he was ill on Thursday and missed practice. Was that the reason why Tyree got that many touches after getting 12 in the first two games? Are we going to go back to Tyree being the decoy? Or is he going to get the football? Because it sure sounds like the three-headed running back monster is back with Estime, Tyree, and Diggs. Personally, I think the Notre Dame run game can be very, very good if Chris Tyree is near the top in rushing attempts for this football team. Has he fallen out of favor? I think we can learn more after this Carolina game because if Diggs is healthy and is a part of the game plan, we'll see the number of touches Tyree gets if it's more like the first two games when Diggs was healthy and playing or we're going to see something like we did last Saturday when Diggs was not playing for the Irish. So what do we do here? Carolina, not good stopping the run. The Irish are 102 in rushing offense at 117.7. Are they that good without Tyler Buckner? This just seems like a game. You get the running game going at a really efficient rate, right? I mean, again, Carolina, their run defense, horrid so far. So despite Notre Dame being 102 in the country and rushing offense and they don't have their true running quarterback, I'm still going to give the advantage to Notre Dame when they run the football. But please keep Chris Tyree involved. Next up in the advantage game, our fourth category, when Notre Dame throws the football. Notre Dame's pass efficiency offense out of 130 teams, 98th. But don't worry, we're still talking Carolina defense. North Carolina's pass efficiency defense, number 126. Hello. Drew Pine, will he throw the ball down the field a little more in this game? Probably will have to. That opens up the door for a throw off the mark that's picked off by North Carolina. Despite that fact, and despite the fact Notre Dame doesn't have a true vertical threat, and they have not been getting the ball down the field, I'm going to give advantage Notre Dame against that Carolina pass efficiency defense. Special teams is neutral. Intangibles, I'm going to go North Carolina. Sold out crowd. They haven't beaten the Irish since 2008. They've lost the last two years to the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame's one and two. Are they there for the taking? Carolina's the favorite. Seems like a big game for North Carolina. They are 3-0, and trying to become... The second best team of the ACC behind Clemson. I think Florida State has a strong argument being that number two team. So in the advantage game, all the check marks go to the Carolina offense. All the check marks go to the Irish offense and intangibles go to North Carolina. More predictions coming up. We're going to take a break. When I return, we'll talk more about this matchup with a guy who covers the Fighting Irish on a daily basis, Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated. That's next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sirs. 
weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chase by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five-five rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We are just about 22, hour, 22 hours away from kickoff as the Fighting Irish will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. Carolina looking to go 4-0 on the season. Notre Dame looking to get back to the 500 mark at 2-2 and hopefully start to build some momentum. Actually, more importantly, I think right now the most important thing for this football team is to continue to form identities on the offensive and defensive sides of the football. Let's talk some Notre Dame football right now with Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated. He covers the Fighting Irish on a daily basis. You can read all his work right now at blueandgold.com, and he'll be typing away tomorrow before, during, and after the Notre Dame-North Carolina game. Well, Patrick, good to talk to you once again. And the Irish coming off that fourth quarter rally at home against California last Saturday, winning 24-17. It was the first career start for Drew Pine. I'm not going to ask you to evaluate Tommy Reese's coaching from the press box on the phone because I think we all know it was worked pretty well because Pine hardly threw an incompletion after he got yelled at. But seriously, what was your takeaway seeing Drew Pine not as a player coming into the game as a backup like he did last year against Wisconsin and Cincinnati, but as a quarterback that had all week to prepare, the offense was all about him, and we got to see him from snap one to the end of the game. I think in the end, when you look at the whole thing, it it worked and he did what he had to do to execute a plan that gave him a lot of layups and gave Notre Dame's best skill position players a chance to run after the catch and, and get some yards after the catch and uh, that was an advantageous matchup for him a lot of the time but uh, certainly didn't envision the maybe early bumps that you saw with just some off throws and misses that were ones that really he can probably hit more than he showed there but just for whatever reason whether it was jitters uh, all the impounded energy of a, a first start and finally getting there or whatever it might have been uh to the point where, like, whether that was the case, it can't be anymore because you you have to be able to hit Michael Mayer on that throw that uh, he ended up yelling at him for, yeah. or or throw on target and not low to him there. And now, it's just a matter of like how convinced are are you or are even the coaches of what or how translatable what he did in the second half is going forward and how much more they trust him to now that the first start stuff is out of the way. Now that all the firsts are, are done, like how much more are they going to trust him to open it up a little bit more? And that, that's what we heard them talk about all week, but I, I think we'll see at least a little bit of it. Uh, just when we see the, the game plan unfold over the course of four quarters Saturday afternoon, but ultimately in the end, uh, I think Pine at least did what he was asked and, and was put in generally a position to, be able to to do that successfully and, and just kind of move Notre Dame's offense down the field. And really all that's all I had to do just a few times against the okay Cal defense that it could control the line of scrimmage against and an offense that wasn't going to exactly threaten it with shootout. Patrick, hypothetically, if Ian Book magically was still your starting quarterback tomorrow against North Carolina, 
I could see the Irish putting up 600 yards and close to 50 points because if Notre Dame can run the football the way that App State and Georgia State did, did against North Carolina, that would open up so many possibilities of the passing game, including things you've written about creating a vertical game once again here in South Bend. But after watching the Cal game, hey, the coaching staff did what they needed to do to win the game with Drew Pine. It was basically passes within, what, five, six yards of the line of scrimmage. But against better teams or teams that can score, it feels like you're going to have to take the handcuffs off, which actually concerns me when he starts throwing the ball down the field. That's when I think some hiccups can take place. But at the end of the day, Patrick, I mean, who are your vertical options right now on this Notre Dame football team? I think everybody wants to see the ball go down the field. But right now, the wide receiver position outside of Styles is in such flux. It's, it's really hard to imagine how successful that vertical passing game is going to be. Yeah, and I think we saw that in the first two games with Tyler Buckner where uh, he was 3-for-10 on throws that traveled at least 20 yards downfield. And I don't think that was all because he was just constantly missing or off here, timing there, or whatever it might have been. I think the inability to really do that with much consistency kind of goes beyond what you had at quarterback. And, yeah, there's not a Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, Kevin Austin, whatever it might have been, guy who you can go make the contested catches, go contort his body and – catch a 50-50 ball or make 50-50 ball seem like 75-25. So that limits you in that sense. But I don't know that verticality has to be just a bunch of deep shots, just like mm-hmm. you lean all the way into old Steve Spurrier, late 1990s Florida <laughs> playbooks where you're just chucking it down the field all the time. I think you just really just more so like you're literally just throwing the ball more vertical instead of, you know, how many times did we see yeah. last weekend against Cal where it was, you know, that same kind of RPO they called where it was – you know, he got the keep read, or, and then the throw was a little, you know, screen that was more horizontal than, than vertical, and it worked in that game because a lot of times that receiver was Lorenzo Styles, Michael Mayer, Chris Tyree, and those guys can get, do real damage after the catch, and they've got numbers and room to turn the corner because of the, the run fake. But I think that verticality is just going a little more even into the intermediate zone. He only threw three passes that went at least 10 yards downfield, and, and one of those was that miss to Mayer that he had that, any quarterback at Notre Dame should be able to make and probably a throw that if you've made Drew Pine attempt it nine more times, he's going to hit most, if not all of those. It was just that easy a throw. And I think Notre Dame can get enough of those just by pure scheme and scheming those open or by just Michael Mayer abusing defensive backs like he did on that play. Lorenzo Styles still, I think, is a a reliable uh, target there, whether it's in those intermediate uh, throws where he can separate or after the catch and, and we saw him on those short throws a bunch uh, last week. So I think it's just finding a way to be able to create those plays and make them easy enough reads and, and just skew enough space and just hope Michael Mayer can separate as, as much as he does where it's not where he's having to throw it through a keyhole, throw it into traffic, make some complicated read or anything like that, where, yeah, maybe if he throws more of those, the concern might be protecting the ball and throwing interceptions. But I think at some point you're going to need a little bit there or more there than what you got against Cal, even though for that game it worked because you're just thinking, move the ball, get a win, do something just to not be 0-3, and then go from there. He is Patrick Engel, covers Notre Dame football for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Let me preface my question by saying this. I think Notre Dame can have a successful offense using three running backs in a game. 
against Ohio State and Marshall. We saw Estime, Tyree, and Diggs. Diggs was a little under the weather. The Thursday before the California game, Dress did not play. So Chris Tyree went from having 12 touches the first two games to 22 in the game against California. As I said, I think three running back systems can work, but I just don't like the fact one of your meal tickets was not getting the football in that three running back system that they had going, which I assume is going to come back against North Carolina tomorrow. To me, 487 and 25 is your meal ticket to having a much better offense. I'm just wondering if you agree with any of that, and do you think the coaching staff is not as high on Tyree as they were a couple of years ago, or is it just more about all these different packages which kind of helps bring out the best traits in the three different running backs? I guess what I'm saying is they don't have a number one, so they're making it work. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a, a thing of where they're not as, as high in him, especially after he goes for a career high and, and touches against Cal. But I think they just like all of those three guys and want to involve them in, in the ways that they can and then the different things that each of them brings. But we heard Tommy Reese say it, uh, I believe it was last week, of it's sometimes it's hard to, to make three running backs work all the time in terms of being able to optimize the carries and uh, optimize what you get out of them while still trying to involve all three. So I guess the easy solution there is, you know, you don't, necessarily have to play three or if it's a two and a half kind of situation where even in the first two games Diggs was cleared to return from that April shoulder surgery he had but something just didn't look quite right there if it was health or favoring that shoulder a little bit like you think of that pass protection up against Marshall where you know he didn't look like he got the shoulder all the way into it or stepped all the way into it but so maybe a week of rest has, has made that a little less of a, a crutch for him, and, and you see that. But I think last week made staff realize, and I, I would think we'll see this going forward just because of what you said, like Tyree is one of the, the meal tickets of even if you work in the other two guys, and I certainly think they'd like to, none of it can come at the expense of to the point where Chris Tyree isn't getting the ball as, as much as he can, especially if you're going to be still a – quick hitter, perimeter-oriented offense, whatever it might be, the guy that caters to best, as we saw last week, is is Chris Tyree, or at least caters to as as well as anybody. So however you want to make it work with three guys, and I think they're at least able to do it in some degree, even if the snap split is less third, third, third than it might have been the first two games, uh, I still think it's it's a thing where, like, last week made really clear, 25's got to be in there and, and getting the most touches out of that group. I'm sure me, you, Irish fans out there have no good feel for what we're going to see tomorrow from the Irish offense. You see this offense struggle, but you're going up against a Carolina defense that has been just, again, horrible stopping the run, and also their pass efficiency defense is number 126 out of 130 teams. How do you picture this all going tomorrow with the Irish offense going up against the Carolina defense? I need help for my score prediction. You said it. It feels like a total wild card in terms of, well, this is not a very good North Carolina defense. I mean, the the stat I think is most kind of eye-opening or telling about it is they allowed Florida A&M, an FCS team, to score 24 points, <laughs> which in and of itself is not great. Then you look at what Florida A&M's offense has done in the two games it's played against FCS teams since, it's worse. <laughs> so North Carolina 
made a mediocre FCS offense, or at least in a two-game sample mediocre FCS offense, look decent. So if that's the case, there's just no reason Notre Dame shouldn't be able to hit the 24, if not 30. I think they're going to get to 30 just because of the opponent. But it's there's kind of two sides of the thing, right? Well, North Carolina's defense is bad. Well, North Notre Dame's offense is not exactly inspired a whole lot of hope here, and it's on its backup quarterback. So something has to give, right? And ultimately, I think it's just it's going to skew favorably enough for Notre Dame's offense to move the ball because ultimately I think they're going to be able to run it as like they did last week at, at minimum. And, and last week was not particularly explosive, but it was efficient and it didn't take big losses or, or loss of yards or stuff and stay ahead of the change. And North Carolina hasn't really – gotten a lot of havoc and disruption in the run game so far this year so even if Notre Dame runs efficiently but not explosively in that low four yards of carry range but runs it a lot I think if it can do that it's, it's going to end up winning this game or at least be able to control it even if it gets to have some moments where it might feel like a shootout. Okay, I'm glad you said 30 because my score prediction has Notre Dame scoring 30 so I feel a little better about maybe the direction I went with my prediction. Patrick, do you think the Irish defense is getting close to having their identity and a bunch of packages that are going to start playing at a higher level as the season goes on. And they played really well, I think, throughout the year. Don't get me wrong, but is there another level for this group? I think so, just in the sense of the disruption that you saw on uh, Saturday against Cal is more realistic or closer to what you're going to get the rest of the year than the lack thereof against Ohio State and even against Marshall. So I think that identity really just kind of starts with like that defensive line just creating a lot of havoc and, and being a pain for offensive lines to block. And even if it's not getting six sacks every game, that's not going to happen. Just the, the amount of pressure that it created and how the pressure affected uh, Cal quarterback Jack Plummer, even when he wasn't sacked, I think is a thing that can carry over even if like they pressured him on well, 45% of his dropbacks, give or take a percentage there. Even even that's probably higher than you're going to get every week. But I think that's where the identity starts. And every game you see that come to life, I think you're, you're going to end up getting a pretty good game out of the Notre Dame defense, especially when the secondary seems to be just more reliable, at least so far this year. I think we'll learn a lot more about that unit uh, tomorrow. But yeah, I think between the defensive line just carrying it like we, we thought it would and a secondary that looks to have taken some strides, uh, I think you'll end up seeing a pretty steady Notre Dame defense here. And, and the takeaways, obviously, that's what you're still waiting for. Those things can kind of come in bunches and, and fluctuate in and out. And if you just focus on playing like sound defense, those are those are going to come. But, yeah, certainly something you, you want to see some production out of in that area pretty soon. How surprised are you? with how quickly Benjamin Morrison not only got on the field, but grabbed a starting spot in his third collegiate game. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest positive surprise from the start of the season is you know not really a guy that was on the radar or people were thinking about as a year one contributor, just with the three mainstays back and Jaden Mickey already kind of turning some heads and making his case, and he's in the rotation too, back in spring practice. So you're thinking, all right, there's four corners and, you know, is there like, is there really going to be room for a fifth? Hmm. And is, is this where Ryan Barnes comes on after playing in the first team defense for Cam Hart in the spring? But yeah, it was Morrison just kind of showing up right away and, and earning trust really quickly. And 
it was a, a practice about halfway through camp that we were allowed to watch the entirety of where he was getting some first team reps, but still mostly second, but just always found himself around the ball, always was right on receivers hips. And, and that kind of stood out to me in the sense of like, all right, this guy's like, he's definitely not going to be on the scout team. And maybe it gets to a point where Notre Dame would trust him to, to go in and start for one of those guys. If one of them's hurt or has to leave in the game for whatever reason, but that's happened a lot faster than I think any of us expected, or maybe even yeah. the, the coaching staff expected. But, yeah, lo- looks a lot uh, more mature behind his years and beyond his freshman classification there. I think his, his catch percentage, I, I can't recall it offhand, but it's w- way below 50%. And so just the amount of times that he's right on a receiver's hip and there's not really a window, to a really tight window to complete a pass has just really stood out. I want to ask you about safety Brandon Joseph for a second, Patrick. I talked to someone last night that I respect their opinion, and I threw out his name to them and said probably not playing up to his All-American status so far. He's been good, but also there have been mistakes along the way. I, I just don't feel like there has been like that play that happened in a game. You're like, wow. Now, I'm, I'm trying not to compare him to last year's safety, who was you know pretty doggone good, and he made the sliding interception right off the bat at Florida State, that Kyle Hamilton guy. So I'm not trying to compare the two, but this was supposed to be a guy that came in and made a big difference. In fact, I think during fall camp, there was talk about all the interceptions that he made on a daily basis. How would you assess Joseph so far this year in his first year with the Irish? I think he's been, like you said, kind of good, not great. And you haven't seen a whole lot of chances or just moments where the coverage skills and the range and the ball skills that were all over the tape at two years at Northwestern to really mm-hmm. show up. And we saw that a lot in the offseason and spring practice and fall camp. You, you mentioned the camp interception. There was one where just his, his break on it to break – backwards like behind him as if he's playing center field and go back and pick off an underthrown pass was that was like that's the kind of head turning stuff where you're like whoa like all right that's not a lot of guys who can go do that and and go actually intercept that pass but the question there was tackling and just kind of a okay tackler at northwestern in particular last year where there were some real struggles there and i think that's what you've seen a little bit more particularly on that uh, go-ahead drive that marshall had in that upset win where that's where you're going to need him to be a little bit more reliable. But I think before the season's over, you'll see a, a few times in, in some plays where you're, you're going to see the, the coverage skills and, and the ball skills really show up that, that Notre Dame was banking on. I want people to go to blueandgold.com to see the staff's predictions for the Notre Dame-North Carolina game. Just glancing at them before the show, it kind of looks like the staff is all over the board, kind of like the rest of us. We just have no clue how this game is going to play out. In fact, Las Vegas, the spread has been dancing all over the place, so it looked like it was kind of a split decision on your website. It was, and really nothing would surprise me with no. uh, with the final result here. With I mean, if either team wins by 17 points, I won't be stunned. And nor will I if somebody kicks a game-winning field goal to win a game with 70 combined points <laughs> or 45 combined points. I've got it in Notre Dame 30, North Carolina 27, and the basis for that being I think Notre Dame is going to run the ball well enough to sustain some drives, control the clock, like they want to do to avoid getting in a full-blown shootout. But I think they're going to be able to finish some drives against a defense that hasn't been particularly good at at preventing that and won't be as good at preventing that as Ohio State was or even in a couple of situations there Marshall was. So 
it's, it's really about, I think, winning points per drive. And if mm. you want to minimize the, the number of, of drives to try to get out of a shootout, which Notre Dame wants to do by running the ball and try to do at Ohio State, you've got to make sure those drives turn into points and a lot of times turn into walking in the end zone and not kicking a field goal. So if, if those drives where they can get four or five minutes off the clock or turning in touchdowns and they're running the ball well, I think they can get to 30 and I think they can, can win. If, if not, and if you're seeing them take up four or five minutes, but it's punting you know, from plus territory or kicking field goals, I think that's going to be hard, harder to outscore North Carolina offense. That, as we saw last year, is hard to com- just completely shut down. What should Irish fans expect tomorrow before, during, and after the game at blueandgold.com? Yeah, right now you can go and find my usual Friday column and uh, my colleague Tyler Horka's uh, mailbag that he does every Friday. Uh, you mentioned our staff predictions are up. And then during the game or, and after the game, of course, you'll be able to follow along with our live blog, our pregame blog, and then you know into the nighttime and into Sunday morning, you'll see the rest of our stuff from the game. Uh, Tyler is down there in Chapel Hill uh, making a trip for us. Patrick, good to talk to you once again. Greatly appreciate your time and your analysis on this Fighting Irish football team that's probably going to play a a head-scratching game against North Carolina tomorrow. Can't wait to see how it plays out. Looking forward to reading your work at blueandgold.com. So have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Patrick Engel, Notre Dame football writer at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Again, the website, blueandgold.com. Yeah, the staff is pretty much split on this Notre Dame-North Carolina game. I've not made my prediction yet. I'll get to that coming up during the 6 o'clock hour as we've got another hour to go here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the NFL is back on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can catch Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League every Thursday, Sunday, and Monday nights. You heard Pittsburgh at Cleveland last night here on WSBT Radio Sunday night. Hopefully this goes a little better than Super Bowl 24. San Francisco at Denver. And then Monday night, we've got the Dallas Cowboys and the G-Men, the New York Giants. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. on Thursdays following the Marcus Freeman Show. Sunday and Monday night's coverage starts at 7.30. The NFL on Westwood One is brought to you by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnaby's Pizza of Mishawaka and Granger, Pet Refuge, and Edward Jones. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Twitter question of the day available during the week on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Yesterday's question, what stat line will most resemble Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine's day at North Carolina? Here were your four options. 175 passing yards and a touchdown. Choice number two, 225 yards and a passing touchdown. The third choice, 240 yards 
with two touchdowns. And choice number four, I guess a shootout unfolds. 300 passing yards and two touchdowns for Drew Pine. The voting is complete. Fourth place in the voting at 5.6%. You're not a believer that Pine's going to be chucking it all over Chapel Hill. 300 yards and two touchdowns. Fourth in the voting at 5.6%. Third place in the voting, 240 passing yards and two touchdowns for Drew Pine. So based on the voting... You're either expecting Notre Dame not to score a whole lot or it's going to be running the football that gets the job done. Because second in the voting, at 35.2%, Drew Pine with 225 passing yards and a touchdown. Kind of a ho-hum day against the 126th best pass efficiency defense in the country. That's out of 130 teams. And just barely getting a couple more votes. The winning stat line, Drew Pine's day at North Carolina, 36.6% said just 175 passing yards and a touchdown for Drew Pine. You look at the numbers, 71.8% of the people who voted basically said he's going to throw for under 225 yards with one touchdown. They're expecting very little from Drew Pine. I wonder, is the answer they don't believe in him? They don't believe that the offense is going to throw the ball down the field enough to put up many passing yards? Is it a combination of both? But very interesting, not a lot of high confidence that there'll be many passing yards for Drew Pine tomorrow against North Carolina. Again, 175 and a touchdown, won our vote. We thank you so much for voting. Now to today's question. What outright wagering combo will play out for Notre Dame versus North Carolina? So here are your choices. Choice number one, Notre Dame wins the game outright, which means, of course, they cover. They're getting right around two points. Choice number two, North Carolina wins the game And North Carolina covers those two points. And choice number three, North Carolina. Picks up the victory, but very small line, but Notre Dame still covers, getting those two points. And looking at the early voting, our Twitter feed poll does not resemble the thinking of many in Las Vegas. A lot of cash coming in on North Carolina. I'll let you vote. We'll see the final results on Monday, and we'll see if you guys nailed the right combination. Again, what outright wagering combo will play out for Notre Dame-North Carolina? Again, the average right around a two-point dog. Notre Dame wins, and Notre Dame covers, of course. North Carolina wins the game, and Carolina covers the two points. Or the odd combination of Carolina wins and Notre Dame loses by one, basically. We'll see how the vote turns out. You can check out the vote on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. 603 at WSBT South Bend. Sports Center update coming up in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Six twelve at Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Great to have you on board. Sports Beat continues here on nine sixty AM WSBT, streaming live at wsbtradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Good evening, Darren Pritchett, with you. The program is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. By Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business, and by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings, have happy endings. Let's continue with some predictions for Notre Dame and North Carolina tomorrow in Chapel Hill. 3.30 kickoff on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 a.m. Official Notre Dame football post-game show after the game. We'll look back at the ball game, of course, for a couple of hours on Monday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Let's go through... How I believe the game will play out. Then we'll get to some best guesses for individual and team stats. We'll go through my predictions for the lines and a final score prediction for Notre Dame and North Carolina. So we kind of use the My 5 question of the day as a way to go through how the game is going to play out tomorrow in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, I'm going to say Josh Downs, his first game back, is going to go over 100 receiving yards for a second straight game against the Fighting Irish. I believe Lorenzo Styles is going to come close to 100 yards. I want to say he will, but I just don't know if the ball's going to go that far down the field. I just believe there's another level to his game. A guy you got to get the ball to a handful of times every game. But I think Josh Downs is going to be a handful for the Irish secondary. Tariq Bracey, good matchup there at times. But I think Downs goes over 100 receiving yards against the Fighting Irish. He's got another good quarterback to throw him the football. North Carolina, I'm going to predict that they will match Notre Dame at least in the number of sacks in the ballgame. If Notre Dame's going to try to get the ball a little further down the field, is that offensive line going to hold up? 
Notre Dame coming off a really good performance against Cal, but that's Cal. Now we're taking on Carolina. They're not exactly a contender for the Joe Moore Award, but better than Cal. So I think the Sacks, there's going to be a couple on each side in this ballgame. Not sure it really flips the script in the ballgame, but I think getting pressure on the quarterbacks obviously is vital in every game. But especially these two. These are two players who have not played a whole lot of college football. Still a little green around the ears, although May has performed very well in his first three starts this year. Pine, how good can he be? Can't really tell from what we saw last week. How will this game play out? I think Notre Dame can run the ball at will. They are going to break through. I know 117 yards per game right now, 102 in the country is not great. Offensive line played better last week. That's a major positive. Carolina cannot stop the run at all. 200 yards per game. Florida A&M is keeping that from being way up in the 200s. Officially, they're at 193. That's 111 in the country. Even without Buckner running the football, I think Chris Tyree's going to have an explosive run in this ballgame. Maybe it'll be as exciting as the Kyron Williams run last year at Notre Dame Stadium. I think Estime can do some damage in the running game, and I'm sure we'll see Logan Diggs at well as well, but I believe this is a game in which the Irish are going to rush for 200 yards. I think they're going to really break out in this ballgame. I think they're going to be committed to running the football. Marcus Freeman has stressed that from day one. Well, here's a chance to really establish the running game. You could even control the clock along the way. You know, they attempted to run the ball, control the clock at Ohio State, but didn't run it well. I think they can run it extremely well against North Carolina. Number two. Well, as I put together my individual and team stats, despite the fact Notre Dame's offense, not sure we know what we're going to get. We know Carolina can do a lot of damage, but maybe Al Golden's defense has some major answers for this heel offense. It's averaging 51 points per game. But as I added up all my predictions... Looks like it's going to be a little bit of an offensive day. I've got 872 yards of total offense and 63 points being scored in the ballgame. Number one. Final score prediction. I have changed it 57,000 times in the last 24 hours. I've had Notre Dame winning by 10. I've had Notre Dame losing by 10. Last night, my second-to-last prediction was North Carolina 33, Notre Dame 26. I normally don't do this, but I actually cruised the internet to see what other people were predicting because this is just a hard one. The blue and gold crew, they're kind of split 50-50, so I didn't feel as uncomfortable picking Carolina because it's hard to pick Carolina because their defense is so bad. But then you look at, from a Notre Dame perspective, Drew Pine starting his second game. Can he throw the ball consistently down the field 10 yards to loosen up that Carolina defense? I'm sure they're going to try to bring the extra safety down to stop the run, which opens up some passing possibilities. Can Notre Dame take advantage? Head coaching 
experience, inexperience at opposite ends of the spectrum. Mac Brown became a head coach in 1983. Marcus Freeman was born in 1986. He's coaching in his fifth game as a head coach in Chapel Hill tomorrow. Does Tommy Reese have answers on the fly to whatever North Carolina might be able to do, which I'm not sure they'll do a lot well. So there's just a lot of questions for me in this game. The one known element, I think, from this game is that Carolina's offense is pretty good, and it should show up against most opponents. So I finally put pen to paper. I still want to change it right now. But I'm going to say final score prediction, Carolina 33, Notre Dame 30. Talking to a couple of people, we all feel the same way. The score could be anything. And when I said Notre Dame winning by 10, Carolina winning by 10, I had that written down at various points in the last 24 hours. It's possible. Carolina wins, Irish win, wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised in the least bit. Sold out, crowd, loud. Will the Irish be able to communicate? There were false start issues at home last week with Drew Pine. Hopefully that's been solved. Second half, that got a whole lot easier. I'm just worried about this being a road game. If this game was at home, I'd pick Notre Dame. It's a road game. I'm giving a very slight advantage to North Carolina. I would not be shocked if I'm dead wrong. This is a tough one. All right, so that's my final score prediction for Notre Dame, North Carolina. I've got the Irish 40 carries for 235 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. I've got Chris Tyree breaking one in this game, 12 carries for 123 yards. I've got Audric Estime, 17 for 75. Drew Pine passing the football. I've got Drew 16 of 25 for 198 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Michael Mayer, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. I've got Lorenzo Styles, four catches for 98 yards. North Carolina rushing the football. They've done it pretty well this year. I've got them 27 carries for 144. Carolina passing the ball with Derek May, 30 of 40 for 295 and a couple of scores. My prediction for Notre Dame's leading tackler, Jack Kaiser, with 10. Now we move to the Las Vegas line for this game. Again, from the last time I checked, could have changed since then. But Notre Dame is a two-point dog at DraftKings Sportsbook. So Carolina minus two at minus 110. Notre Dame plus two at minus 110. I have the Irish losing by three. So I guess I'd be taking Carolina minus the two. Total points at 56 and a half. Whether you go over or under, you get the wager at minus 110. I've got 63, so I will go over that number. So let's hear from an expert, a Notre Dame football fan, a diehard Notre Dame football fan. Had him on the program earlier in the college football season, Tim Murray, host on VEASAN. You can see him right now on VEASAN hosting his primetime show with Super Bowl championship quarterback Sean King. Tim was on one of the VEASAN shows earlier today as a guest. 
He's kind of their Notre Dame guy. They go to him with some of his Notre Dame thoughts. He has spent many a days at Notre Dame Stadium. So he was asked on the Lombardi line on VEASAN his thoughts on this Notre Dame-North Carolina matchup. And here is what Tim Murray had to say. Well, I know your guy, Josh Applebaum, has to be grinning ear to ear on a, on a game like this. An ugly, ugly scene where it seems like uh, everyone's on North Carolina. I know uh, over at VEASAN.com, Danny Burke wrote up UNC. I can't blame him, right? I mean, the offense, it, it looks impressive. The reason I would, I would think, and now this is a game, Michael, I said uh, earlier in the week, there are games that you always kind of look at the card and say, I wouldn't touch that game with, uh, with your worst enemy's money. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what to do. Uh, with this game, because the, I the reason I think Notre Dame may have flipped to a favorite, and it's been going back and forth, as as Vinny Maiulo will say, this game is toggling. Um, the reason I think that <laughs> is, Michael, if you watched the fourth quarter against Cal for Notre Dame, you finally saw what this offensive line was supposed to be. I mean, preseason, uh, respected people believe the strength of Notre Dame this year was their two lines, the defensive line led by Isaiah Foskey, who could be a first-round pick, and the offensive line led by Jared Patterson, who also could be, a, I wouldn't say first-round pick, but probably a day-two pick there. And it's been disappointing. But you started to see that push late in the game. And North Carolina, so far this season, guys, has been a bit allergic to defense. So yeah. the biggest question I have for, for this game, guys, is – is Notre Dame capable of scoring enough? Because we do know that Drake May is 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 emerging as a as a really big time quarterback down there at Chapel Hill. And the big key here for UNC in this game, guys, Josh Downs is back. He missed the last two games. He's electric. He had 142 yards receiving against the Irish last year. So wouldn't touch it. Uh, so it's it's been fascinating to watch the market kind of bounce back and forth, trying to figure out what to do with this game. There you go. My guy Tim Murray from VEASAN, his thoughts on his Irish taking on North Carolina. He said it best, I would not wager on this game with my worst enemy's money. And I think that is a great way to describe the uncertainty in this football game. I don't remember the last time there has been this much uncertainty about a Notre Dame game. Truly, this one is just has a weird feel to it. We'll see how it plays out tomorrow. 3.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game starts at 9 a.m. Tyler Horka and I have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra from 12 until 2.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four. Please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 6.32 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Beat rolls on on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 96-1 the ton is your home for the Indianapolis Colts all season long. This Sunday, the Colts at 0-2 take on the 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs. Pre-game starts Sunday at noon with the kickoff 
right at 1 o'clock. Colts football on 96-1 the ton. Brought to you by Sherwood Tire, Pet Refuge, Edward Jones, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Well, this Colts football team, two divisional road games to start the year. A tie in Houston. They had to rally just to force that tie at 20 with the Texans and then the embarrassing, dismal performance last Sunday at Jacksonville, losing 24 to nothing to the Jaguars. Now, Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, two of their top wide receivers, arguably their two best wide receivers, did not play due to injuries. They are both available against Kansas City. The Colts have ruled out linebacker Shaq Leonard. Once again, he'll miss his third consecutive game. Those were two very winnable football games. If you're going to be a division champion, even in the weak AFC South, you got to win those two games. Worst case, split them. But the Colts dropped both games and now look to avoid going 0-3 and they have to take on the mighty Kansas City Chiefs led by Patrick Mahomes. At the end of last year, Carson Wentz struggled down the stretch, including in that final game at Jacksonville. That loss knocked the Colts out of the postseason. Carson Wentz was traded by the Colts to the Washington Commanders. To take the spot of Carson Wentz, the Colts went out and acquired from the Atlanta Falcons veteran quarterback Matt Ryan. Now, to be fair to Ryan, when you don't have Pittman and Pierce, even though Pierce has not caught a pass yet in the NFL, that really puts your wide receiving core in a tough spot, or Ryan in a tough spot. But through two games, how about this? Would you have thought this? Carson Wentz with the Washington Commanders is completing 65.5% of his throws. Matt Ryan is completing 60% of his passes. Carson Wentz has thrown for 650 yards. Matt Ryan, 547. Again, he played Houston and Jacksonville. Wentz played Philadelphia and Detroit. Both of those games on the road. Carson Wentz so far with the Commanders, seven touchdowns. Matt Ryan, one. Interceptions, hey, no surprise, Wentz is going to throw a couple. He's got three. But Matt Ryan has four. And their quarterback ratings through two games, Carson Wentz at 100.3, Matt Ryan at 68.3. Statistically, it's not even close. Advantage, Carson Wentz. Knowing what you know now, would you want him back? No, probably not. I don't think there's a Colt fan that would sit here and say, I want Carson Wentz back. Definitely, maybe it's crossed your mind with the way things have gone offensively for Indianapolis so far this year. Let's see how things play out this week. You get the top target, Pittman, back. Let's see if they can incorporate Alec Pierce, the rookie out of Cincinnati, into their offense. They take on a Kansas City team that has that high-powered offense led by Mahomes. So the Colts are going to have to score. And you would imagine that in the second half they might have to throw a decent amount to try to stay in the game unless Jonathan Taylor can really take hold of this game. If the Colts' running game can get established, maybe you shorten the game a little bit, you keep it closer. Chiefs are favored by 5.5. It was 7. It's down to 5.5, so 
some cash is coming in on the Colts right now on the betting lines. You look at weapons, Carson Wentz has better weapons right now than Matt Ryan. Terry McLaurin for the Commanders, six catches for 133. Curtis Samuel, 15 for 133. He's got a good tight end, and Logan Thomas, six for 82. Colts really don't have that established wild tight end. Pittman had nine catches for 121 in the opener. Ashton Doolin, eight for 125. Pierce hasn't caught a pass yet. And Naheem Hines, who is a viable weapon coming out of the backfield, 10 catches for 87. You think about what the GM Ballard said during the offseason, was asked about it in fall camp, felt like he had the wide receivers necessary to get the job done. Colts media was skeptical. Probably you as a Colt fan was skeptical. You had reason to be skeptical. It feels like sometimes... Ballard just is allergic to free agency. He wants to build this thing and win through trades and the draft, mainly the draft. He doesn't like to go out and sign a lot of guys. Probably should have went out and grabbed somebody. I know a lot of Colt fans wanted Julio Jones. (sighs) Didn't look great with the Titans. Been okay with the Buccaneers so far. Has a relationship with Matt Ryan. But the Colts' offense, with Jonathan Taylor, that's the bright spot. The passing game has a lot of work to do at this point. But step in the right direction, Pittman, Pierce, active for the Chiefs on Sunday. And by the way, coming up over the next few weeks, Carson Wentz and the Commanders, they've got the Eagles at the Cowboys, the Titans at the Bears, the Packers, the Colts have the Chiefs, the Titans, they're at the Broncos, home against the Jags, at the Titans, and then October 30th, it will be Carson Wentz and the Commanders at Lucas Oil Stadium to take on Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. The two quarterbacks, even though not on the field together, at the same time will go toe-to-toe. 6:39 sports wagering segment coming up next. We'll pick the Irish and... Normally, I pick four games. I have a long list. I have nine right now. Who knows? I may add a couple of more during the break. We'll come back and talk about sports wagering for the weekend, college football, the NFL, all coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 644 at WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. It's time for our sports wagering segment on WSBT Radio. Last night, a 3-1 night. To get there, needed a little help. A fluky play, but we got it done. I took the Browns minus 4 against the Steelers at minus 115. That was a winning pick as the Browns won 29-17. I took Browns team total points over 21.5 at minus 105. That hit as they scored 29. They even went over that number without that last-second crazy touchdown. I took Chase Claypool under 39.5 receiving yards at minus 115. He was at 41 going into the final play. Laterals took place. He was credited for minus 6 yards on that play and went down to 35. Thank you, Chase. That was a win. The only loss was from Major League Baseball. Braves on the money line at the Phillies. Phillies won one to nothing. 
So three and one last night. That brings us up now to seven, eight and one for the week. We were one, six and one for the month. Thirty-two, twenty-nine and two. So here we go. Not just four picks tonight. We're just gonna go wacky, bizarre, crazy. I've got nine picks on the weekend slate. So this could be really good or really bad. We'll start with tonight. Virginia at Syracuse. Cavaliers getting 10. I'm going to take the points. Syracuse beat Purdue. They've been playing good, solid football. Virginia coming off two weeks ago, a, a lousy game at Illinois. New head coach, new offensive coordinator for their quarterback, Armstrong. I think Virginia keeps it close. They don't win. Syracuse wins, but Virginia keeps it close. We'll take the Cavaliers plus 10. To tomorrow's action, I've got North Carolina laying the two against Notre Dame. I picked Carolina to win 33-30. Hate to do it. That was my pick. I'll live and die by it. Also tomorrow... I'm going to take Clemson, even though their offense can be sputtery, run-dominated. They have dominated the series against Wake Forest. Wake Forest had trouble beating Liberty with a backup quarterback. Their defense still has issues. Clemson minus seven at Wake Forest. Another pick for tomorrow. I love the Volunteers from Tennessee. Play that Rocky Top over and over. Volunteers on their home field covering the 10.5 against the Florida Gators at minus 110. Off the grid a little bit, I like Arizona plus the three at home against last week's Notre Dame opponent, California. Arizona beat North Dakota State last week. Not many Division I teams do that, or should I say FBS, excuse me. Cal, not impressed. I'll take Arizona plus the three in Berkeley. I'm going to lay the 17-and-a-half Florida State against Boston College. The Eagles can't protect Phil Dracovic. They can't stop the run. I think this is a good spot for Florida State to flex their muscle. I hate that hook. The hook makes me nervous. But you know what? Let's go for it. Florida State minus 17-and-a-half against Boston College. Now to my three NFL picks for Sunday. I've got the Lions plus the six at the Vikings. I think the Lions can score with most teams in the National Football League. This game probably gets into the 30s. I'm going to say the Lions lose, but it's a close game. Lions plus six at the Vikings. As a Bronco fan, I didn't understand when Denver opened as the favorite. It's flipped now. 49ers minus one and a half against Denver. Denver's game management is atrocious. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm probably overreacting, but it's bad. I'm taking Garoppolo and the Niners minus one and a half at Denver Sunday night. And finally, Buccaneers and Packers, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go Buccaneers laying the point at home against the Packers at minus 110. And my underdog special, Oregon State at home on the money line against USC. They'll pull off the upset, at least I hope. Plus 190, a lot of juice with the old Beavers from Oregon State. It is 11 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. That's my sports wagering picks for the weekend. All nine of them, I'll take six and three. Heck, I'll take five and four. 649 at WSBT. You can listen.
listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. We wrap up Sports Beat for the week with a reminder our program. Brought to you by these great sponsors. Thank you to them, and please support them if you don't mind. Our title sponsor for so many years, Budweiser, South Bend Orthopedics, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, Four Winds Casinos, Midland Engineering Company, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Legacy Heating and Air, and Pet Refuge. It's been a fun week. Thank you so much for joining me on 960 AM WSBT. Maybe on the live stream at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. I'll be back on the air tomorrow at noon until 2.30 with Game Day Sports Beat powered by Mickle of Ultra, Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Tyler Horka is my co-host. He will be live from Chapel Hill with all the latest doings. Before the Fighting Irish take on North Carolina, we've got a 3.30 kickoff right here on WSBT Radio. Jim Irizarry and Reggie Brooks have the official Notre Dame football postgame show at the conclusion of the game. Go Irish. Try to get back to 2-2. Two and 1-3 two, and three with BYU ahead does not sound very appetizing. Don't forget Mishawaka Caveman football coverage underway right now. Mishawaka at Warsaw. Bart Ball game in Warsaw should be a good one on 96-1 the ton. Folks, have a wonderful evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. This has been Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.